Welcome to the Mold Matters Podcast. Whether you are looking for help recovering from mold illness or just want to learn more about creating a safe environment for your family, this podcast is the place for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mold Matters Podcast. Joining you from Layton, Utah, my name is Jeremy Evans, the host alongside with my friend, Mike Adams, and Hi colleague, there. and, and um, fellow uh, fellow colleague in the mold remediation um, and testing business. Um, we're, we've provided or prepared a podcast for everyone today on a topic. It seems like I every time after these podcasts, I feel like, man, we've covered so much. What else is there? But then there's endless topics that relate to, to mold and how it you know, can affect our lives. And that's really one of the reasons why it's so hard to figure out is there are so many variables, variables with, yeah. you know, houses and people and treatments and yeah. crazy. Yeah. And the more I, you know, the last couple of weeks I've, I've dived into mycotoxin testing a little more heavily and realized how woefully insufficient that is. And even the greatest scientists uh, don't haven't really figured out a great way to do that. So, I mean, yeah, there's no, but you have, you have stumbled onto a test that will identify if they have a dog or not, (laughs) 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 which is good. It's good information. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We, we tried out a new company that does testing and they test for a lot of items and not just, (laughs) uh, (laughs) not just mold and mycotoxins, but the test came back with pretty much nothing other than they told me there was a mouse. Or dog. more than one yeah. and a dog. <laughs> I think we could have asked them if they have a dog and got the same information. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So anyways, mold testing is definitely a trial. A trial, and it's got a long ways to go. So, But today we're going to talk about uh, a topic we've hinted at, uh, ventilation. We've mentioned little things about, you know, um, crawl spaces, attics, and bathrooms as far as ventilation goes. But uh, I thought we'd do a little deeper dive here today into ventilation of homes um, because it really does play such a big role in, 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 well, I guess in humidity and in moisture levels in home, which obviously equates to mold. Right. So you and I kind of had this discussion, Mike, let's kind of as a, a introduction to ventilation, why, why does ventilation, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but why does yeah. ventilation really help? How does it help moisture levels? Well, um, yeah, it is. It's kind of a complicated subject. Seems um, simple, but it's a little yeah, more it, complex. It's a little bit more complex. But basically, air, any kind of air movement is going to, if I understand this correctly, any kind of air movement is going to displace humid air and potentially bring in drier air. So in other words, if you're, let's take for an example, a, a window seal that has condensation in it. Mm-hmm. If you have air movement above that window seal, um, before you have air movement, that air immediately above that window sill track is full of water, water vapor because that water is trying to evaporate out of there, albeit very slowly because the air above that window sill is full of water, water vapor. So the yeah. most humid part of a, of a space is the right area above right the, above the water. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so if you can move that water vapor away from that area and bring in essentially drier air. Mm-hmm. Now that, that moisture in that window track can evaporate more easily or more readily mm-hmm. 
and you can speed up the drying process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially the, 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 the ventilation or the air movement clears the way so that the water can evaporate more. Yeah. It's almost like when it has that thick water vapor above the water, it can't, it's almost yeah, inhibiting it, it from releasing. And yeah. It's a little bit like just, you know, we talk about groundwater getting saturated mm-hmm. and once it's saturated, that moisture needs to move into a dry area. Yeah. Uh, wet wants to go to dry. Yeah. I think the same is, is, is true with the, with the air. Mm-hmm. Um, wetter areas want to move into the drier parts of the, of the uh, air. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, we all know that if you put a fan on something, it's going to dry it out quicker or it's going to keep water from accumulating there. Yeah. But the real physics of why is, is yeah. kind of complicated. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really important in any home to have, and maybe we should distinguish air movement versus ventilation. I mean, they're yes. both important, but yeah. how would you distinguish those? Just uh, ventilation is is the exchange of indoor and outdoor air, in my mind. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. And then air movement, maybe not as good because you're not bringing fresh air, but still creating that effect that you're right. describing. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the traditional water mitigation protocols, when when you have a flood or a big leak of some sort, I mean, they're bringing in big industrial fans. Yeah. To create that, I'll give you. I'll give you a perfect about. example of what we're talking about. Is um, I've noticed over the years, third floor of an apartment complex, third floor or higher, mm-hmm. will have much more of a mold load than the first and second floor, mm. always. And it's because the heating, the heat rises, and so once you get to the third floor, those guys don't have to run their furnace nearly as much as the people on yeah. the first and second floor. Yeah. So they don't have nearly the air movement. Which means they have more condensation, which means they have more mold. Oh, so. I, I never put that. Yeah, I, I've I've heard you mention this concept of the the top floor having the worst problem, but I yeah. didn't realize it was that. It's just a lack of air movement. Lack of air because movement because they're they're getting their heat essentially without, from the first and second floor. Yeah, without yeah. doing anything. Interesting, right. interesting. Yeah. So, um, what what is the typical you know, I guess what's the typical relative humidity? I, if, if that's what we're going to use to measure uh, for for a, an indoor space, what are we shooting for? Well, I think we're shooting for is, is I mean, within reason, but as dry as possible. Yeah. Um, if you're worried about mold. Um, I, I know a lot of people feel like I have to have some moisture in the air or I get shocked when I turn on the lights, switches mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yep. that, that getting shocked from electrical appliances has been shown in different studies to be directly related to your mold load. And so if you can get rid of your mold load in your home, the shocks will go away and you won't have to have that extra humidity to stop the shocking. Yeah. Um, so I, as far as a, a level, you, you really want to keep your home below 50% humidity. Yeah. That's kind of the one I stand by too. We were just, yeah, we've, we've met different people. I mean, I've heard in the South, it's, it's so hard to keep things dry that I think a lot of remediators out there kind of say sixties well, uh, okay. 60's good. Yeah, 60's great. Yeah. 60's <laughs> that's livable. You know, in these drier I've heard as low as 40 to 40, 45, 50. So I think I think drier the drier the better if you yeah. can. Yeah. Um so that's kind of what we're shooting for. The the biggest the biggest culprits of elevated, you know, humidity levels or moisture levels are kind of like I mentioned in the beginning, attics, crawl spaces and bathrooms. Let's let's run by each of those real quick. So attics yeah. 
what's the dynamic in the attic and how do we, how do we ventilate for that? So the idea with an attic is you want to have incoming air usually going through the eaves or I think they call it the soffit. Um, Mm-hmm. And then you have vents above that level, three feet or higher, and that's the um, exhaust air going mm-hmm. out. So you have that natural air movement of coming in, in the eaves, going up and out. Um, some attics have what they call a ridge, ridge cap vent. Yeah. I think that's what ridge they call venting. it. Ridge venting. The ridge yeah. cap, yeah, yeah, goes over. Where, where when the guys put the roof on, they leave an intentional gap yeah. in the very top. And then they put a, a ridge over that, and so you're you're uh, exhausting hot air along that entire ridge mm-hmm. of the of the roof. Others other vents are like turtle back vents, where the, which is what we have in our house, and they just um, I want to say every I don't know eight feet or so along the top line, we've got these little turtle back yeah. vents. Yeah, they look kind of like turtle backs as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. So I think the. Uh, we wrote down. Then there's the gable vents on the, yeah, uh, you know, the side. You typically on the side of the house below the peak of the roofs. Right. They'll put those. <clears throat> you've probably seen the octagonal or some sometimes circular yeah. vents. They'll put in there. I think those are the most common ones. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, we we talked about they used to have powered fans. They'd stick in your yeah. attic. A lot of, a lot of homes in the '60s had those. Yeah, I think those have we realized those aren't the best and and so we've gone to more of i think they call it passive ventilation but basically you create you create openings in various spots in the attic and then you know it creates a a suction effect and a cross breeze effect and then it does what you kind of described in the beginning it that air you know flowing over uh, the surfaces keeps the water evaporating off of there and doesn't allow it to kind of sit and accumulate and create a mold mold scenario or water mold scenario because yeah attics and crawl spaces those are the two spots where you don't have your your hvac ducting connected to right so there's not it's not conditioned it's not conditioned and it's not you know it's there's no air movement and there's no you know like we've talked before in podcasts those air conditioning units um often suck out the moisture too before they pump it back into the house so attics crawl spaces they're really at a disadvantage from that perspective. They, they, they get hot stagnant air. So this, this ventilation in the attic is to create, you know, that cross breeze. Yeah. And now I, you know, I've said this for years and I still, I still stand by it. I, I have yet to see an attic make somebody sick. Yeah. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Now crawl spaces on the other hand, absolutely. They will. A contaminated crawl space will definitely make people sick in the home. Talk about that. I, I know we've mentioned it, but what's yeah. the difference there? Well, I think the uh, the attic naturally wants to vent because hot air rises. It wants to vent up and out. Yeah. And so you not don't have any. There's no physics to bring that air down yeah. into that living space. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a crawl space, um, you've got all kinds of openings. Um, sometimes you even have your HVAC furnace in the crawl space yeah. and we know those are not airtight. And yeah. so you're bringing all kinds of, of, if that crawl space is, is moldy or toxic for whatever reason, you are bringing that air into your living space. Yeah. In fact, we read a, we read from a professional recently where he talked about, you know, if you think about all the piping that goes through your crawl space right. too, yeah. it's not like they, 
it's not like an attic where, you know, if you put a pipe in the attic, uh, you know, some kind of ventilation or, or piping, you know, they'll tar it and right. seal it up yeah. real good. In the crawl space, if they're if they're doing some kind of piping and coming up into the house, oh, there's all kinds of openings. Yeah. There's tons of openings. Yeah, they, they're they're not because they're not worried about water coming in like they are on an attic yeah. roof. You know, they're just, so there's, there's all kinds of openings that way. And then even, you know, if you look really closely at the HVAC units themselves, or if you've ever dissected those, even, even mildly, they aren't designed to be these airtight machines that don't let air in. And I mean, some, some, some of them are actually by design, you just slide the filter in. Yeah. And there's, there's really no cover over that. Yeah, that opening where the filter goes in. So they're they're a long way from yeah. anti systems. Yeah, yeah. So kind of transitioning to crawl spaces. Um, yeah, and we've mentioned this before, but you you get a, a humid scenario down there that leads to a mold scenario down there, and and that can cause real problems in in the rest of your house just from the HVAC alone. Not to mention some of these holes that go with go up into the house right i've i've seen a lot of really really sick houses that the problem originated in the crawl space yeah Yeah. let's talk about the ventilation of a crawl space i mean it's dynamically a little bit different than an attic but tell us about that so they uh most code i think uh throughout the country is um one square foot for every 500 square feet of crawl space which really isn't very much yeah um so what you know whatever your your footprint is of your crawl space. Say you've got, say it's fifteen hundred square feet. Yeah. Which would be a nice size rambler home. Yeah. You have a fifteen hundred square foot um, crawl space, then you would want three square feet of ventilation, which is not very much at all. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, I mean, and you want you want at least you know I've read different things, but you don't want to just put one vent, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you the idea is to get cross. Yeah. Cross ventilation. Cross ventilation. Yeah. But um, I, I, I do need to throw this out is that, and I've said this for years, we have to be really, really careful because every climate is so different. Yeah. That it will never be a one size fits all for a crawl space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've seen the companies that want to encapsulate everything. I've seen companies that want to just go in and put a vapor barrier down. I've also seen people who say, no, just get a sump pump in there and a dehumidifier and you'll be fine. There's a there's a million different theories, and I think the reason for that is everybody's climate is a little bit different, mm-hmm. and so you can't you can't have, there's not a silver bullet for a crawl space. Yeah, so so th- you you said approximately one square foot per 500 square feet, yeah. but that's quite variable, is what you're saying. It kind of depends. Yeah. I, I've read it can be lower, it can be higher. Yeah, it even depends on like there's exceptions to that that code. Um, as an example, if you have a, a vapor barrier down, you need even less ventilation, mm-hmm. which it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but, but that's how it reads. But that's how the code yeah. reads. Yeah. So, um, you want at least two, I mean, I think everyone has their own opinions, yeah. uh, at least, and, and we'll transition into humid areas here right now, but in Utah where we're dry, I think the more the merrier. I mean, not, I agree. I'm sure. I absolutely agree. Sure, there's a max, but you know, if you can get multiple in there and create much more flow, that's great. Yeah. Now, when we transition, think of some of these humid environments in the South where it's yeah. commonly 80, 90 percent relative humidity. Right. You put tons of vents in your crawl space. 
and you're basically inviting in really humid air right. to flush out really humid air. Yeah. So it is a little bit different. Do you have any anything any solutions you could offer with those humid environments? I, I you know I I have not ever lived down there um, in the south where it's really humid, or even up in the northwest. But um, I will say this: I, I firmly believe fresh air is always our friend. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're going to err, you should err on the side of more ventilation than less. Yeah. Um, once you start reducing the ventilation and, and in effect, try to keep the humidity out, mm-hmm. you're, um, well, the example we used the other day was you, you start your lawnmower out in the front lawn and mow the lawn. You don't think anything of the toxins that are coming off that lawnmower. Now you put that lawnmower in a crawl space with very, very few vents yeah. and start it up. That becomes a toxic. Yeah space in a hurry yeah and i think the same thing applies with like a microbial load down there if you don't have very many vents that can become toxic a lot quicker than if you have a number of vents to bring in more fresh air yeah so still do some venting in a humid humid yeah. area um we've we've talked to we have many uh colleagues in, in the humid areas and 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 i agree with this this concept of possibly looking into dehumidification yeah. down there yeah so yeah, have some fresh air, but perhaps install a dehumidifier that can keep the, the relative humidity. And also, down. A, uh, if you've got, um, they call it, we have a licensee in Australia now. They call it rising damp. Basically, it's just your groundwater is really, your water table is really high. Yeah, water table. Yeah. So if if you've got a really high water table, um, you may need to look at a some kind of a sump pump. Mm-hmm. or a French drain type deal to get that dried out. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to work to have a sopping wet crawl space and just put a vapor barrier over the top of that. That's, yeah. that's a disaster, a recipe for a disaster for me. Yeah. You, you know, I've heard you, I've heard you, uh, speak of vapor barriers before. I know you're not a big fan. Yeah. And, and, and the, again, that's in Utah. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. I, I may be a big fan if I lived somewhere else and saw that, um, environment more. Yeah. But I just, once you eliminate fresh air flow to anything, you're inviting microbial growth. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so dehumidifiers, not a bad option. Uh, I know they're semi-expensive, but um, I've even seen a lot of them. I think what's cool on them, they have a little gauge. So if the humidity gets above, you know, say your threshold is 50 or 55 or whatever in the crawl space, when it rises above that, it kicks on, yeah. brings it down, yeah. and then you know, you know, doesn't turn on until it gets to that threshold again. So I think those are kind of nice. Um, you can also get those in your attics, yeah. you know, if that's a real problem. And, and yeah. it's it's less common, but some attics even have the HVAC units in them. Yeah. I don't see it a lot in Utah. I wonder if it's I, ours is actually well. We have two furnaces. We have one furnace in the basement, basement? and one in the attic. And one in the attic. Yeah. I. I, I don't like it. And not, not a big fan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not either. So yeah, uh, not a bad idea to to dehumidify up there. Um, so anything else on crawl spaces to to keep in mind? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. Um, I I I do think that if you have a mold load problem, your the first place I would look is a crawl space. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can re- even remediate the house, but if you don't take care of the crawl space, that house is going to be still be sick. You know, 
whenever when I go in to do a home a, a mold inspection in a home yeah. and they have a crawl space, yeah, I feel like I I almost know there's going to be mold in there, especially if the home's you know a certain age. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Is, yeah, is I've our crawl? This, I've said this for years. If you show me a crawl space, I'll show you mold. It's just <laughs> it's just it's the way it is. It, yeah. Now, now, unfortunately, with with our company, we have a process where we can we can disinfect that entire crawl space and then put a residual protection down. It gives mm-hmm. you a, a real fighting chance of never having mold again. Yeah. But if it's if if you don't do something about it, it's it's really really hard to not have mold in your crawl space. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. So crawl spaces are tricky. Um, and then we have, let's go inside a little bit with the bathrooms. We've talked yeah. about these before, but uh, talk about the ventilation there and what it looks like. Well, <clears throat> this, is, this is my spiel on, <clears throat> excuse me, on bathroom fans. Is they're kind of a two-edged sword because um, you want the fan to run while you're taking a shower to kind of dispel some of the, some of the moisture out of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But I also think you can get a mold load within that fan and the, and the Plastic ductwork that heads out. Um, it may not be that big of a deal, but but um, they can grow mold inside there. The other thing I, I I caution people about fans is you need to keep a really good eye on your drains in your bathrooms mm-hmm. and make sure that your drains are really just pristine clean. Mm-hmm. Because if you build up any kind of a mold load or bacteria load in your drains, mm-hmm. and then you turn your fan on, now all of a sudden you're pulling the toxins out of your drain yeah. into your bathroom space. Yeah. So, so probably the best prevention there is, like you said, keep the keep the drains really clean, right. and then you don't have to worry about right. turning the fan on. Yeah. And you're saying so that fan. I mean, it's sucking the moisture out. So undoubtedly, that that fan mechanism and oh, the ducting absolutely. gets yeah. really moist. I mean, yeah. that's where it goes, and it does right. vent outside, but. Some do. Some some builders some. <laughs> got real lazy and just vented it into the attic, which yeah, you know, they'll call us in a while and <laughs> we'll fix it for them. Is there anything you can do to to, to rectify the the ducting and the vent that gets moist and moldy? I you know um, besides kind of a, a process where we we fumigate it essentially yeah. or, or fog it, fog it and then leave a, a uh, residual protection down. Yeah, that, that makes everything essentially antimicrobial yeah. up in there. Yeah. Um, I don't know any other way to fix that. Yeah. So. Do you suggest uh, opening windows or doors as well just during the shower time? Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe maybe yeah. 15 minutes afterwards? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, Which I'm, I don't do, by the way, because I don't like to be cold when I shower, but I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think anything you can do, you know, to, to keep the air flowing through there yep. is a great idea. Yeah. In fact, I, I go into... If I, if I go into a home that was built in the 50s, which I know it doesn't have any bathroom fans, yeah. unless they installed them later, yeah. later, which rarely is the case in my experience, if someone calls me for a mold concern or they're feeling symptoms that they think are mold-like, it's a 50s, 60s home, maybe even 70s, if I go into the bathroom, see no bathroom fan, here's, well, unless they clean it really well, 90% of the time I can look at the ceiling and oh, I'll yeah. see teeny little spots. Yeah, there'll be mold on the and they're ceiling. They're like, is that yeah. mold? And I'm like, yes, that's yeah. mold guaranteed and yeah. some bacteria, I'm sure. But yeah. it, it, bathrooms are, that's, they're a tricky thing because it, it's just this thin film of moisture that gets on the surfaces and you don't think much of it. Right. But 10, 20, 30 years of that, yeah. it just it starts to, you know, 
mold starts to grow and it's very, you know, it's not going to be this big black patch that you sometimes see with floods and leaks, right. but you'll see a little film of brown and yeah. orange and, and yellow. It, and sometimes it's even kind of a cool pattern. Yeah. That it's formed on the ceiling. And, yeah. and I, this is the question I've always asked myself is, is that pattern formed because the steam takes the bolts bore up with it? Mm-hmm. Or does the steam form a moisture pattern and then the most spore finds it. I don't know that we'll ever find the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. You that's never know, but the chicken before the egg. Yeah, it you is. Know, we <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you do this for a long time. You start thinking about stuff like things that. Like that. Yeah. The questions you think about. <laughs> um, is it a good idea if you don't have a bathroom fan to, to pay to have one installed? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know uh, I've heard different things, but I think you can find someone who can do it for relatively cheap. Yeah. Just make sure they don't bend it into the attic. Yeah. yeah. Just moving the moisture into another yeah. area. So, um, I think that's pretty good on bathrooms. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the home, we kind of talked about, hopefully your HVAC unit, uh, is a good one that does a lot of the conditioning of the air and, and circulating of air. Right. Is there anything else on the indoor environment that can facilitate? Um, just, just be real careful with, um, I know some people recommend that you set your thermostat to where your fan is always running. Uh-huh. I'm not a huge fan of that just because it's obnoxious. You're a huge fan of the I'm fan? I'm not a huge fan of the Cosm fan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a moderate fan of a moderate usage of a fan. Um, and, and the reason they, they, they want to run that fan constantly is because you can, you can keep your air conditioning coils nice and dried out. Yeah. Because once your air conditioner stops, um, once the thermostat says, okay, the house is cool enough, go ahead and turn everything off, those coils are going to condense like crazy. Yeah, that's true. With the lack of air movement. Yeah. So uh, it's something to consider. Yeah. Just keeping some air movement over those coils constantly. Yeah. To, uh, to keep. And, so, and it may be too late in a lot of cases. You may already have mold on there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've even, this is something I learned from a, a contractor, but I didn't, you know, the, the all the doors to, you know, the room that goes into, that go into rooms and other, other spaces in an indoor environment, the, the little gap you see at the bottom of the door is actually kind of partially intentional for ventilation purposes. Yeah. Like if that thing, of course, it makes it easy to open and shut, yeah. but if that went all the way flush to the ground, right. you know, you don't get air flowing into those rooms very easily. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing to think about, but, yeah. um, I think we've done a pretty pretty good job of covering most of the men- ventilation issues that you encounter in a home. Um, I think, I wish it was, you know, just like anything with mold, I wish it was, there was kind of a clear cut. A lot of your answers are like, yeah, this is, these are the variables, kind of look at your own situation and, and decide what's best. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard to be, to be an expert on this, on this whole mold subject. Yeah. There are so many variables. Yeah. But I think, you know, the more education we can have on it, yeah. the more we can make an educated decision for our own homes. Or even if you're a mold remediator yourself, you know, as you go into a home, you can look at these things and help help homeowners kind of see, okay, it looks like we've got an issue here with ventilation. Let's rectify that, you know, as we figure out the mold situation. Well, and I always look at this. What is the, uh, I can't remember who said it, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, yeah. expecting a different result. Yeah. You know, if if whatever you're doing in your crawl space right now is causing mold, I would I would change something up. <laughs> you know, it's this is clearly not working. Try something else. Yeah, Try something else for so, sure. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks Mike for all yeah, your, you. your advice on this and hopefully it was valuable and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to providing another hey, podcast. We should thank, uh, thank Ari. Ari's our producer. Our producer? Yeah. Yeah. Ari. Thank you, Ari. Thanks for all you do there. Appreciate it. Ari. <laughs> all right. Thanks guys. Okay. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Mold Matters podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more in-depth information on mold illness and recovery.